0: To another new podcast from materials performance magazine i'm your host ben dubose news editor with the amp publications team on today's show to talk about some safety developments within the corrosion control field we're going to be talking with roland anderson business development director at access corrosion roland good afternoon how are you
1: i'm doing well ben how are you
0: good thank you for taking the time because access has a pretty unique story as far as its niche in this industry so rather than me try and go into the biography why don't i just let you do that tell us a little bit about access and its mission and where you all fit into the overall niche here
1: okay well access was formed in the the beginning part of 2020 with a with a pretty clear vision and that vision being to innovate safety around intrusive internal corrosion monitoring systems uh, these systems have been around for like 70 plus years, but there'd been a, a, a real lack in innovation around the, the systems themselves. And with having the focus on enhancing safety or reducing risk, um, what we felt we were going to be able to do is uh, really increase end user confidence and trust in uh, these intrusive monitoring systems. that. Over the past 10 years, there had been a a, a sort of decline or a a downward trend in the the use of the the access systems, which is, uh, you know, when I say the use of the access systems, I mean, utilising them in the way that they're designed to be used uh, and that it gives you online access to the sensors you have installed in your process. So we felt that by making these systems safer, we could somehow increase the end user trust and confidence and ultimately see an upswing and a a return to getting the the best out of these systems, which is to to monitor and and change out your devices under full process conditions. And access is based in the Woodlands, correct? Just outside Houston? Yeah, the Woodlands, we have uh, like corporate offices in the Woodlands and we have, Uh, a field service and training center in Spring, Texas. So Mm -hmm. it's about five miles from the corporate offices.
0: But as people can probably determine based on your accent, you did not grow up in the Houston area, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm originally from the Aberdeen area in Scotland.
0: Tell us a little bit about your career trajectory, if you will, because I know it's an interesting story. We've talked offline about this, but just how did you get to your current role and this unique space you're in within the corrosion control industry?
1: Okay, well, it it kind of weaves around a bit and we go back like 25 years, I suppose. But I started out, um, I I left school at 16 to become an an apprentice litho printer. And I I did that for, for five years. It gave me a good grounding, a good knowledge and understanding, if you like, in hydraulic systems, mechanical systems, all all of that. And uh, I just, around 2000, 2001, uh, there was a a company recruiting to man up on a project out in Kuwait where they had secured a, a corrosion monitoring contract. And they were looking for people with that type of background. And it seemed about right for me to try and get out of the print business and, and and jump into something new. So I did that, uh, moved out to Kuwait when I was about 21 years old, spent a couple of years there on that contract, uh, moved back to the North Sea, you know, offshore Aberdeen, where I, where I worked for a, a corrosion monitoring manufacturer service division. Um, after a couple of years back in Aberdeen, I actually went out to Abu Dhabi and uh, established a, a service base for them. In Abu Dhabi, spent a couple of years there and then was headhunted to uh, establish a, a sales and service base for one of the largest, or, or the largest at the time, uh, manufacturer of internal corrosion monitoring products. So I went back to Aberdeen did that and maybe five years after establishing that base, I, I relocated to Australia with my family established a business there for the same company. But whilst there, we, we really developed the, the spread of offices uh, throughout Asia Pacific. Um, and within about 18 months, the plan was for me to, to then move to Houston and, uh, and try to and grow that business in the Americas, which, which I did for, for a few years. And then that company was acquired, uh, stuck with that for about f- five years after acquisition, four to five years. And then it just seemed that it was time for a change, and that's when myself and a few ex-colleagues or colleagues at the time just started to think that it might be about time to to try and do something ourselves. And and you know, I say it with the, the most positive sort of inflection, but to to uh, disrupt the market a little bit, you know, bring it forward is what we wanted to do.
0: So access and. This sort of goes without saying since you're in the Houston market, but you have a pretty nice base of oil and gas clients, I would assume, correct?
1: It really is. I mean, I, I wish we were doing more. I wish we were more diverse. But the problems that uh, the oil and gas industry uh, face related to corrosion just a lot higher risk, yeah. or higher, you know, potential uh, than other industries. Uh, but we do we do some in water and utilities, but I'd say over 95% is oil and gas.
0: So when you looked at that oil and gas space a few years ago, when you all were looking at starting basically your own enterprise and going at this a different way, what trends were there in the marketplace? What holes were there in the previous offerings that led you think that that led you to think that there was an opportunity there basically what did you see a few years back you mentioned going at it a different way certainly the importance of corrosion monitoring is important in any industry especially one with uh, high damage potential which certainly uh, a distressed oil and gas asset can lead to but beyond that just what did you see that the previous landscape wasn't really offering that you all potentially could
1: well, it really goes back. There was a there was an incident in twenty twelve that uh, that led to a fatality, and uh, the individual that was killed in the in the accident is somebody that I had known uh, personally, not not well, but I I had I'd met him, you know. And the incident really sent shock waves around the industry. It was uh, widely reported, and it it made operators think twice about utilizing their their internal corrosion monitoring systems and several operators just outline or immediately put all future online retrieval of monitoring devices on hold uh, and and some have never really reinstated them so we could see this sort of trend this decline in the utilization of internal corrosion monitoring systems but also an upswing in non-intrusive monitoring systems um, and and we just firmly believe that the upswing in, in non-intrusive systems was uh, was more about converting inspection points to monitoring points and that corrosion engineers and asset integrity engineers really wanted that complementary uh, integrated system uh, working for them. And so it was just a case of trying to see if we could get it realigned and think, well, if we can make this safer and make it similar, it, 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 changing out your, your sensors and your process, if you can make that, that whole process fairly similar to, to how you would maybe risk assess taking samples from live process, uh, then, then we might have a, a, a fresh proposition. So it was just that that downward trend and utilization of existing monitoring systems and an upswing in the in the use of non-intrusive systems. So our angle was to try and come at it and integrate the two, get best of both worlds and, and have a, a better monitoring system overall.
0: So your primary line is the Janus range, correct?
1: Well, that's core to the to, to the innovation, yeah. That's that that's correct.
0: Yeah tell us a little bit about that again i know we've talked offline i think a good place to start could actually be the uh, formation of the name and then beyond that just tell us a little bit about how that fits into your overall enterprise and the mission that you laid out earlier
1: yeah well the 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 genus range it started off by looking at uh, telescope and retrieval tools that's a type of retrieval tool that was involved in in the fatality that was reported and and a, and a number of incidents over the years, some higher profile than others. Uh, but, but it started with a focus on the, the telescope and retriever, and it was initially developed in January twenty twenty one. There's a Roman god named Janus, uh, that's why we call January. January, it's named after him. It just seemed appropriate for the for for the time, but also what what Janus. Uh, symbolizes is a transition from the the past to the future you know and when we look at our janus guard that we put on these retrieval tools they're retrofitable so we can take a you know 20 year 30 40 year old retrieval tool and in less than 10 minutes apply a guard to it that is going to going to protect people you know protect lives the assets themselves and and obviously environment and uh, preventing loss of containments and whatnot so the Janus range started off with that and um, but through our research to, to try and gather up as much of these incident reports as we could to really see what, what were the root causes so we, we know the ultimate problem and we felt we had to dial down into them and do our own sort of uh, root cause analysis on on these incidents and in doing so gathering up these different incident reports we uh we realized that that we can't just stop there that there were inc- incidents occurring um around the world different reasons behind you know behind each one and lots of different types of equipment as well so quite quickly we we evolved to a point where we really had about five new products or solutions to mm-hmm. it. And yeah, it was, it was just that market research around where things have gone wrong and how can, we, how can we solve the problem.
0: So give us some examples of how this works out in the field. What types of corrosion protection systems is this compatible with?
1: Well, it's it's really corrosion monitoring systems. So when you when you have uh, corrosion coupons or corrosion probes installed in live process under under high pressure in most cases, then then there are specialist retrieval tools that are used to uh, to be able to access and change out these devices under pressure. So wherever there are uh, access fittings installed in the field, uh, these retrieval tools are used. Uh, we know that. Hundreds of these retrievers are introduced to the industry every year, and that there are literally thousands of new access fittings commissioned every year. So the mon- the, the amount of monitoring systems out there is growing, uh, but we with with the tools that we have, hopefully the utilization of those systems uh, will will also grow. What
0: feedback have you gotten to this point from the people that are early adopters and users of this? for the clients that i know you work with because you want to incorporate what they're telling you that they see from your systems what they're telling you that basically they need based on current marketplace dynamics what feedback have you gotten to this point about how this works
1: yeah i mean the feedback it it's been great in some areas different operators in different parts of the world we're really talking to, to as many folks as we possibly can but the as you said it's a, it's a niche industry and so uh, it's really been relying on on, on a strong network and, and gathering that feedback and because the feedbacks also helped us refine the products but the feedback so far has been fantastic in that by by having the guard on the on the retrieval tool um a number of operators feel it's it's a uh, it's like adding a an airbag to a car or a seatbelt to a car. It's a, it's a it's goes one step further than an additional layer of PPE for for the for the technicians using the equipment. But the technicians themselves, their feedback's been fantastic in that they feel safer doing the job. You know, they're going out there and they're changing out devices that you know it could be two, three thousand psi, even up to six thousand psi. And we have one system that's good for up to 10,000 psi and that's you know that's uh that's not for the faint hearted uh, but by adding the, these guards to the tools the technicians themselves feel feel better protected it's also enabled some service contractors to to look at their, their in-house training programs differently that uh you know you you can't you can't fast track experience but you know you you can risk assess and and put put things in place that that uh, reduce that risk and, and th- these guys do it absolutely. So what we've heard or what we've received in feedback is a number of operators reinstating online retrieval programs, uh, retrieving from from systems that previously they weren't getting their data from because they wouldn't do it under pressure. So sometimes they were waiting two or three years just to, to get their corrosion coupon data, uh, but by by putting these cards in their hands, uh, it's, it's changed the whole dynamic of, the, of their monitoring system. We've got, we've certainly got a long, long way to go uh, with a lot of operators out there, but you know, this, uh, this past 12 months has been really incredible in, in, in the positive feedback that we've, we've received from major operators.
0: As a follow up to that, what's the launch process like? do you all work with them to get it off the ground to initially you know put this monitoring system in place are there instructions for them if they purchase this to figure out how to do it themselves just walk us through the initial steps and how that works once you have someone that's you know sold on this being a potential solution for them how do they get it off the ground
1: yeah that's a good question and one that that's seems to have come out as, as a fairly standard approach to it and it, it it evolved itself because what we had done initially was work with one particular operator that, that knew that they wanted the solution and we had to work with their service contractor to deliver a solution so we had to really work closely with with folks that we hadn't had any contact with up until that point and uh, and in a completely different part of the world as well so it was out in the middle east and uh, So we had to really hold the contractor's hand uh, and and get an understanding of of their experience and knowledge levels with the equipment, what types of equipment they had. And it all came through fairly fairly straightforward um, because when we add these guards to the tools, we're not changing procedures or SOPs or anything like that. We're reducing the risk, but we're really trying with every product we develop to have a minimal impact on the working with you know the working procedures and and whatnot um uh, trying our best to, to make it as, as simple as possible to, to realize the the benefits. We walk with operators from the very beginning, understand the, the, the tools that they, they're currently using, see where we can apply our solutions, but we, we value face-to-face time with the with the end user and uh, you know every every uh, Janus guard that we've 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 sold or or or, or sent to operators, we've also uh, been present for the first uh, first use in the field for pilot programs.
0: The timing of this it seems pretty good from the standpoint of the last couple of years. There's been so many unique challenges when it comes to actually putting people out in the field. First, you had COVID issues related to the pandemic. There's also this ongoing workforce development crunch, which is really tough for people across the industry does that potentially play into the demand for monitoring solutions like this? Not that it takes the need for people away, obviously you need people to interpret the data, but at least this is another safeguard that can be put in place without necessarily having to send someone directly out in the field as much as you might have had to to get that level of monitoring in the past. Does it tie in well with those dynamics?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point or observation. It absolutely does because what we've been able to do is is uh, train field operators in the safe use of these systems. Because we've removed the line of fire from the from the activity, uh, there's 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 a guard now there, and as I said, it's it's the equivalent of of uh, taking a, a live process sample. You know? Uh, so yeah we've enabled field operators to carry out the task we've, we've developed training programs for a number of uh like offshore operators so in time uh, they, they don't have to rely on third-party service contractors or whatever going to the field whether that's you know flying offshore bed space or if it's if it's onshore and, and what they call windshield time they want to really reduce the, the amount of people out there in the in the field as, as best they can and uh, throughout the pandemic i think it i think it um really brought to the, the 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 fore for the operators the just how much they are they're dependent on field support and if people can't get out there you know their systems start to start to fall down
0: Let's talk about the next few years, because we've spent most of this conversation talking about the last few, specifically because for access corrosion, it's been getting this concept off the ground and out into the field and really making this more mainstream as a corrosion monitoring solution. Where do you hope that this goes in the next five to 10 years? What are you trying to do and what are some of the next steps for you all beyond what you've done already?
1: Well, I, I believe that within the next uh, three to five years, that it becomes an industry standard. It becomes a best practice. It's it's like uh, you know, waiting for uh, your car manufacturers to adopt seat belts, uh, or you know when I was a kid, cycling with a with a with a helmet. You know you were you were probably in line to be ridiculed, but you know <laughs> where it is today i mean you, you you just don't cycle on streets without wearing a helmet and, it, and it's it's standard in fact you know you ridicule the folks that don't and um yeah, maybe it's not the greatest analogy but it, it should become a standard we're just in an industry that's fairly slow to to adopt mm-hmm. uh, uh, change and, and whatnot but we're really focused in an area that we know that the 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 operators are and that's that's safety And we can ill afford anyone getting hurt with these uh, retrieval tools again in the future, especially when there is such a straightforward and simple um, solution to to prevent it. And so that's our aim and working with AMP and uh, the Energy Institute and and various governing bodies and and operators on their best practices and guidelines. That's where our focus is, where we're doing it every day. Um, and then overall uh, the future for for access is to not lose that 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 uh that vision of of innovating safety that's what it's all about mm-hmm. uh, you 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 look at some products that we have to uh design and provide and there's not always that 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 safety angle linked to them but that's where we'll uh, diversify as a as a business and time and and we have some some good uh good concepts and plans for 2023 and 2024 in terms of introducing new types of sensors to the market and these these sensors could you know are, are longer life sensors so not necessarily having to be changed out quite as as frequently you know mm-hmm. So of benefits there
0: so it sounds like beyond just working with individual companies and users you guys are putting a priority on working with. Industry bodies like AMP, potentially government regulators, basically integrating yourself at higher levels so that people see you all as, you know, just a standard, as you were saying earlier, something similar to you wear a helmet when you ride a motorcycle, something like that. So it's not just about working on a B2B level, but it's also about integrating your offering and what you're trying to do at higher levels in the industry as well, right?
1: exactly that and uh, it has to be twofold because you you've got to work with the, the local operations even to a site level but at the same time you've got to be talking with those individuals that can influence standards and specifications and and, and just raise the profile and and that's the key to it you know we're we're a small business but we're, we're trying to do our very best in in raising the profile but uh, it t- it takes a, a heck of a lot of effort to to do it but again i think I, I mentioned that the importance of a network and the corrosion the corrosion monitoring business as a as a as a niche uh, is a very very tight network and uh we we've we, we've done well in 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 pushing uh, pushing these designs into into areas where where they do get the visibility and and we've got once we have that once we're with engineers that are responsible for for writing specs then then we we're in a real good place you know we've 100 percent success if you like in terms of engagement once we have that first uh, first interest the engagement carries through and uh, it's, a, it's a long process but but we haven't had anyone look at it and say, no, not for us. We're happy with how we do things. Everyone has seen the benefit. So we know we're on to something that people, people do want. It just takes time. Mm-hmm.
0: So for anyone listening that wants to learn more, what's the best way that they can do that, either to get in touch with you all directly or just to access information? What should someone that's listening that wants to learn more about this potentially do?
1: it's really get in touch get in touch with us at access you know you can you can find all our contact details on on linkedin or on our website and um, but yeah it's just that first first contact speak with us to yeah. uh, see how we can we can work together
0: and it's access hyphen corrosion a x e s s hyphen corrosion.com correct
1: that's it perfect
0: Roland, thank you so much for the time. I'm sure our listeners will find a lot of value in this.
1: Thank you, Ben. Really appreciate it. It's been good talking with you and uh, hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Sounds
0: good. Folks, this is where we'll break it for today. For Roland Anderson, I'm Ben Dubose. If you want more resources from us at AMP or our publications, you can go to amp.org, ampp.org. That's the website for the association. You can also go to the websites for our publication magazines, materialsperformance.com and coatingspromag.com to learn about the latest developments within corrosion control, protective coatings, and really the day-to-day activities within the industry, which of course include companies like Access Corrosion and the Janus Range and some of the most timely developments as it pertains to this industry and where we go as 2022 winds down and we gear up for 2023 and beyond. Again, for Roland, I'm Ben. Thanks to all of you so much for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.